Okay, so yeah, it started and go ahead and introduce yourself. All right, <clears throat> so uh, my name is Nemanja. I'm uh, the person behind Antimpress Network. Uh, so it's, uh, people might know, uh, might know it is a site. It's, it's basically a, a platform for uh, publishing, you know, activist oriented uh, content regarding uh, unequal exchange and imprisonment uh, in general and world systems, systems analysis. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, when it comes to uh, the actual platform, there is not much of a story behind it. It's uh, at some point in time, I got a hold of a number of documents, which were uh, articles uh, that were not available online. Uh, uh, in that period, <clears throat> among which was the uh, unequal exchange revisited by Emmanuel, which was definitely one of the uh, rarest find, uh, finds <clears throat> out there. And uh, apart from that, a number of uh, Torque Lawessons uh, articles, materials, uh, which uh, truth be said, um, <clears throat> uh, they were available uh, on a, a Danish site called Parasite State. Uh, however, in that moment, the site was down, and the only resource was basically to dig into uh, archives, uh, archive.org. So I decided, uh, so with permission of, uh, of the original uh, the site owner, um, I simply published it. The idea was essentially, you know, this material is not available anywhere. Let's you know, put it online and uh, let it stay or uh, stay stay there. Uh, Beyond that, there was no major plan, major goal or objective. So it uh, just let I just let it be. But uh, there was some interest behind it. Uh, people just um, I guess appreciated, uh, especially Emmanuel's work. And then kind of networking started. And let's say that even though that I'm a single person behind there, there are contributions. There are people who helped out. And uh, let's say the site uh, site is growing. There is not much activity. I, I still don't have much of an objective <laughs> to push forward, but uh, uh, I do see, uh, see it very important to bridge this gap between academia and activists, mainly because you know activists uh, usually uh, lack in the sphere of theory. On the other hand, uh, academia is not really like, uh, tightly connected with practice. So uh, it's uh, the idea is kind of to uh, translate complex language and theories into something that activists uh, would find useful uh, to guide them uh, through the action. And uh, on the other hand, to um, simply facilitate the process of learning because for most activists uh, and people like me I, I don't have ac academic uh, background or anything so I, uh, I was wandering uh, through the heaps of books to find uh, the content that I was interested in uh, and uh, that was one of the things that I wanted to facilitate to people just to make it shorter for them uh, in their in their search um, I tried to make the site as um, unbiased as possible but um, so we'll see how that develops. Awesome, thanks so much. And I'm curious to ask a little bit more about how you personally came in your journey through leftism to get to anti-imperialism and, and third worldism as kind of core principles of 
of leftism because as we were discussing before that's kind of what we're trying to do with particularly younger people coming to leftism and and we in in our reading group for example used the uh the prospects of socialism unequal exchange book uh by torkel that was published on your website um and so I, I can say thanks on behalf of our group of students for putting it up there so we could read it and use it because it's a great guidebook through unequal exchange. But that helped us to kind of take a different perspective with even in our student group about anti-imperialism as the core of any politics we can try and do. So I wonder how you personally came to that and why you think it's so important that people ground that as the most important core of their, their activism. Oh, first of all, I'm, I'm actually quite happy to see that uh, the the site actually ha actually has a real impact on <laughs> on, on on people uh, and that uh, people find it ha helpful. So for me personally, I'm originally from ex Yugoslavia. So uh, you know, uh, being from Balkans, uh, having witnessed wars and bombing and and everything else, so. Uh, it really makes you wonder at a uh, young age, you know, why is this happening? And you, you start seeking answers. And I actually found those answers in, uh, in imperialism that, you know, so uh, in, uh, um, imperialism was seen as one of the causes of everything that was uh, happening in the Balkans in the 90s. Um, so I have I had that interiorized, uh, but without any theoretical theoretical background, right? So I I was active in a, <clears throat> in the left the leftist move, uh, movement at the time, but um, uh, it was not until uh, I think uh, the war in Syria in 2012 uh, when it started, and then uh, people started talking you know, uh, about Russia being imperialist. And then you start wondering, okay, so you you, you have uh, interiorized that uh, imperialism that's Russia, that's uh, sorry, uh, that's USA, that's Europe, and so on. But Russia, that that came strange. And then, uh, how do you explain? You know, how do you uh, prove that Russia is imperialist, or how you prove that it's not imperialist? And you know, you start reading Lenin, and you figure out that uh, well, simple answer is not there. Uh, I at the time I found a number of articles, actually three or four, uh, some using Lenin's theory to prove that Russia is imperialist, and some others that it's not imperialist. So it's you know the same theory, same background, same everything, but you know um, you couldn't just get the definite answer. So I started uh, uh, investigating, and by accident, uh, a friend of mine that I was working with and still do, uh, found uh, Gabriel Kuhn's uh, turning money into rebellion. And he told me, oh, man, there's this uh, you know, Danish group completely obscure and nobody knows about them and so on. And then uh, that's how we found about uh, Torquilaus and about uh, Emmanuel uh, and started uh, looking into, into that direction. And then suddenly, you know, things start making sense because uh, you, you actually realize that uh, the classics of, of Marxism, Leninism do not explain uh, correctly. I mean, you get some vague idea, but uh, you cannot really, uh, it, it does not provide you up-to-date tools for, for analysis, right? And that's basically how um, I ended up with uh, Emmanuel and then uh, completely uh, naturally dependence theory, world systems analysis, and everything that's that's related. 
and from reading some of the documents as well on the website and some of the things you've written mm -hmm. as well, I think something that comes across in your in your emphasis is to say that sometimes people believe when they think, and, and a lot of leftists make this mistake of believing that imperialism is a, a policy decision by a capitalist state that it can be undone, or some people endorse like a Kautskyan ultra-imperialism that we can have a world that is uh, governed um, multilaterally by imperialist states in a peaceful manner. Um, so these are still things that leftists make the mistake of believing. Um, and something that's interesting to me as well that, that we've talked about a little bit before uh, on this channel has been the ability for some leftists to kind of reify the system in, in Scandinavia. I know that's been written about uh, on your site as well, this kind of, this is democratic socialism, this is what we want. And so again, this inability to think about the extractive nature of, of Sweden or, or Denmark. And it's interesting to me because I think what you get across from your site is that instead, so from writing on, on like the principal contradiction, for example, the, the emphasis that this is a systemic feature of, of the world system as such, and necessarily any organizing that we take has to be transnational, has to be anti-systemic as you've written. And from, from doing that, from setting that as the, the principal goal of the anti-imperialist network, what do you see as the prospect for, for organizing, whether it's online, whether it's having these conversations as we're having, or even trying to, to educate other people, what's the best way to try and educate someone and say, this is why imperialism is so important. And this is why, instead of endorsing some kind of uh, socialism that's just focused on your country or focused on Scandinavia, instead you need to look for the alternatives in anti-imperialism. Um, right, so probably it's, it, it's, it's a good idea to make a step back uh, and actually, uh, Consider what what are the issues of anti-imperialist movement now. Um, so you you mentioned uh, one of those articles, and the article actually starts with the with the idea that uh, there is no single definition, right? So if you're going to fight against imperialism, you have to understand what it is. I just mentioned now uh, Russia being imperialist. So the question is not if Russia is imperialist, because uh, it can be imperialist to you, but not imperialist to me, depending on what we consider imperialism is, you know. And uh, to make it a bit more you know, absurd, uh, if you define imperialism as, you know, it's a paper tiger, you know, like, uh, like Mao said, if you take that as a valid uh, <laughs> uh, definition, then you can easily argue that, you know, that we live in a digital age, there is no paper. And, you know, Europe is not imperialist because there are no tigers there. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, <laughs> it might be silly and absurd, but that's uh, how actually people manipulate different um, theories and different ideas, because if you part from the, for example, Lenin's idea, uh, it's a late, uh, later stage or high stage of, uh, of, of capitalism, or uh, imperialism is monopoly capitalism. You know, it doesn't give you any tools to work with and to understand what it is. Right? So uh, in that sense, uh, uh, what's important is actually to clarify you know, what it is that we are against uh, and then, you know, uh, once we know uh, how to approach it, then we can think about solutions. So what I was uh, proposing is uh, completely based on uh, world systems theory. I mean, the, there is very, very little original of uh, what's what's found on the uh, on the, on the side uh, side that I wrote. 
uh, it's mostly digested and summarized body of works uh, written the de decades uh, before. Uh, that idea is that uh, the world uh, has to be analyzed as a single unit, uh, not as individual uh, independent or semi-independent or autonomous you know, regions which somehow interact, but basically what happens inside is completely independent from what happens inside a different country, right? And as uh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel actually said, um, uh, you know, African countries are poor, not because of uh, how they are, they're poor because rich countries are rich. Uh, so, you know, there's this, you know, the wealth is constant, it's just unequally distributed. So if it's in this case, Sweden, something that uh, Torkel explained very well in his book, is rich, it's not because they're smarter, nicer, taller, and, and whatever. It's because <laughs> they got it out of <laughs> somewhere else. Uh, and this is the this is the uh, this is the perspective, right? I mean, the, the perspective in terms that, uh, as you already mentioned, it's a systemic feature, uh, the way accumulation works, and it's not something that. Uh, like modernization theory proposes that you know they're uh, underdeveloped because they're backwards. You know, they have to be. They have to adopt everything uh, that we invented. You know our culture, our you know values, our civilization in order to be like us. But that's uh, that <laughs> didn't work so far. And one of the critiques that a lot of people make out of anti-imperialism um, that at least people who are pro-imperialist or, or at least uh, uh, apathetic to it. And one of the critiques they make is they say it doesn't lead to any kind of possible solidarity. It doesn't lead to uh, organizing. You can't do anything out of it. Uh, and they say that, you know, you're, you're pitting workers in one side of the world against the other. Like I was reading, um, just in, in either, you know, in a lot of the debates that come up about, for example, the labor aristocracy, something we've talked about a lot on, on the channel, one of the main things that comes up over and over again, whether it's in Zach Cope and Charlie Post or John Smith and the Jacobin guys that he was engaging with, is they constantly say, you're telling us that solidarity can't happen, we can't organize, and that's uh, an anti-Marxist thing to do. Whereas from what what I perceive in having read uh, Unequal Exchange, The Prospects of Socialism, and, and a lot of the things you put into your, your site that, as you said, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say aren't original, actually, because I think you take a lot of these older documents and these debates from the past and apply them to the world we're seeing today and say, maybe they were, they were right about something and saying that we should still today focus on what's happening in the global South as the, the key choke points of capitalism and imperialism. But how would you answer that critique? And, and I think you've answered it well on your site. Um, just saying, you know, there is a prospect for organization and for solidarity out of this, but we have to be a little bit more disciplined than, than most of us in the West are. Right, I mean, so it's true that there is this obstacle, right? There is an obstacle of, of uh, I mean, people will uh, definitely re refuse to organize in favor of something that goes uh, against their personal interest, right? But uh, as um, it, it's actually one of the things that, again, 
uh, Turkey was saying in, in the past that, uh, okay, so we are a minority, but we are an important minority because uh, we have to be here to uh, set the basis for, uh, for, the, for the future work. So maybe the solidarity doesn't, uh, doesn't happen uh, right now at this, uh, this place. We, maybe we cannot organize it to the extent that we would like, but uh, uh, to the extent that the situation gets worse in the West and improves in the, in the third world, uh, simply uh, the conditions uh, for the solidarity to grow bigger will, will arise, right? So um, there were, uh, in fact, uh, examples of trans, uh, transnational organizing, especially in the uh, labor world. Uh, there was a, a group called a Transnational Strike, if, not, if I'm not, uh, not mistaken. Uh, so it's a, like a platform of uh, labor unions all over the world, which uh, try to coordinate their struggle. So uh, what I was proposing in the, uh, on the site was to seek ways how to organize uh, across commodity chains, because so, you know, one product is not never produced in a single country, but in a uh, number of countries. And, uh, so when, when you need, for example, um, if there is a struggle in Bangladesh, then of course, it'd be helpful to support it uh, by uh, by uh, uh, organizing workers' protests or strikes or whatever in the companies in the first world uh, that actually buy those products, like uh, uh, Inditex, that's uh, Zara, uh, and, and so on. Um, to what extent that's possible? So it's it remains to be seen. Uh, one uh, good example is probably uh, Amazon. Uh, it's not exactly cross uh, third world organizing, but it's kind of cross west. So you, there was a, a, a cross Amazon uh, protest being organized in Spain, Germany, uh, and I think US in parallel. Uh, so there are examples, but of course that's something to, uh, uh, to promote and to push forward. Uh, and so we are currently at early stage, but uh, the main, the most important thing, and this, this is kind of building on the previous question to, um, instead of having a focus only on, on local issues, uh, the important thing is to have focus on global issues so that your local struggle is a piece um, of a global one and it should uh, fulfill objectives of that uh, global struggle. Sometimes uh, I would imagine that a local one would be in contradiction uh, with the interests of, of people. So I don't know, it could uh, probably, uh, for example, um, or a counter example, uh, company, shipbuilding company called Navantia uh, in Spain. Uh, there, was a, there was kind of an affair um, they, they're building ships for Saudi Arabia that they, they know uh, they will be used in, in Yemen to kill people. Um, protest started, but eventually both the uh, mayor of the city and the workers decided to uh, support, uh, let's say, the project, continue building ships because economically uh, it's good for the city. Uh, it would prevent job loss and, and so on. So that's you know, strictly first world is, let's say, interest, you know, you know personal material interest, you know, <laughs> that people look, uh, uh, so they, they're not really concerned with uh, with Yemen or its uh, population. And, you know, the sad thing is that war still goes on, but, you know, no one cares, no one talks about uh, Yemen anymore. And it's been for what, uh, 
eight years. And yes, uh, actually building a bit on the uh, labor aristocracy and the contradictions uh, and, and talking about solidarity. Another perspective uh, is that uh, John Smith, I think in his book was explaining very well how um, labor organizing in US uh, negatively affects uh, workers in third world countries. So it's, you know, so if we're talking about solidarity, you know, we're talking for, uh, about solidarity from our perspective, you know, from the first world's perspective. You know? So you know, uh, we're not going to organize uh, workers against their own interests, but uh, we're not considering the interests of different people. So, but from that, something I'm, I'm interested in is uh, on the website as a whole, something that I, I meant to ask you about too is, you know, a lot of people, there's constantly this debate online and maybe it's good to stay offline sometimes and actually go out and, and do stuff. Um, but one of the constant debates I see is is this theory versus praxis debate, reading theory versus actually going and doing stuff. And to me, and, and something we've always talked about on this channel has, has always been to say, it's actually quite critical to, to read because if you sort of step out into the world as, as a newly formed leftist and you don't know really actually the, as you're saying, the principal contradiction or the difference between local versus global action, yeah, you end up going and thinking it's right to support workers on strike who are protesting and demanding that they be able to build warships to, you know, go out to Yemen. And I, I, you can think of countless examples. What's interesting is that then you have workers who sort of instinctively know, like you get these workers in Italy or workers in California who are refusing to go to the docks to send weapons to Israel, for example, or they did that for apartheid South Africa is another example. So I wonder your thought on that on that situation. And to, because to me, especially with talking to students who are sort of in this, they can be very easily in the petite bourgeoisie, you know, it's critical for them to read anti-imperialism to know their position in the in the world system and, and how action has to be directed towards that. And I think that the benefit of, of the site has been to take a lot of this quite complicated information, like the unequal exchange stuff is not, not easy as we, as a, a reading group found out, but when you really boil it down to the basics and you kind of walk people through exactly what you're saying makes a lot of sense to people. When you give that example of you can have workers and you can be fighting for their rights in a traditional Marxist sense, like workers exploited anywhere should be protected, but what if they're going to be upholding the exploitation of other workers through what they do. So yeah, I'm curious about how you take this quite complicated theory, make it simple enough for people to understand, and then from there, they can really implement it into action. That's a good question, because uh, mostly uh, we have seen very little action in practice. <laughs> and mostly everything is just uh, in the in the spheres of theory, but uh, you could you could see uh that people connected to this uh, to this theory um uh, at least try to network to connect with different organizations uh so in, in europe there is a <clears throat> the, the benefit of being in europe is uh there is a big political diaspora right um especially from yeah, from palestine from uh from turkey for example from um 
Philippines and so on. So uh, there is a presence of uh, organized movements that actually wage struggle somewhere there. And uh, from the uh, so one, one of the things is actually to work with them and to uh, to provide support. So there is uh, there uh, means to to do that um, and uh, actually to seek to uh, combine and co coordinate is a really uh, <laughs> advanced stage of the <laughs> struggle, but at least to, uh, at this uh, this point to connect. Uh, those struggles, uh, exchange information, exchange experience, and see how to how to advance, uh, advance it. Um, so be beyond that, uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, it was my impression that in the past several years, uh, anti-imperialist anti movement was growing and. Uh, growing, expanding and growing stronger. But then the war with Ukraine started and then it completely split. It split, uh, to me it seems that it split beyond repair. Uh, to, the, to the extent that uh, uh, certain groups within the movement actually started acting against each other, you know, denouncing, doxing uh, and, and actually the movement uh, got to a standstill. I mean, it's it's using a word movement is also strong because there was you know, <laughs> just uh, uh, many people sharing similar ideas, but there was no unity in action. Uh, now there is not even you know sharing the same ideas. <laughs> uh, so from <clears throat> from that standpoint, uh, it's probably uh, needs. Uh, revision of who your friends are, who, whom you can work with, and then to uh, start all over again. Uh, unfortunately, uh, what, uh, well, fortunately or not, uh, what most of the analysis and, and, and scholars indicate is that uh, this current uh, state of things in terms of uh, global capitalism is reaching its uh, boiling, so, well, boiling point, it's, it's going to, it will have to end sooner than later. The problem is that we don't know how it will, you know, what is the new system that will come out of all of that. And for that, we actually need uh, a movement, leftist movement to uh, carry this transformation out. But this movement practically does not exist anymore. Uh, so um, that's that's basically it. If, if uh, you or your group or anyone else has <laughs> ideas, uh, that would be great to uh, push them forward. But uh, at this point, it seems to be uh, quite desperate. Well, the, the interesting thing to me is what you're pointing out is is very true, and that a lot of a lot of leftists were confronted by the situation and, and immediately didn't know how to react or know what to make of it. So a lot of them, I think, have gone into unfortunate positions. They don't necessarily understand the, the consequence of the action and the analysis. But what's, what was interesting to me was that recently, um, I think it was in April, there was there was actually, Torquil, I guess, hosted a, a mini conference in, in Sweden on anti-imperialism. And to me, one of the, the values I see from having this network, as you described it, as the website is named, that ultimately may not be, that's something we're trying to do too, is just 
even if it's just online, I know there's the Discord server as well that is quite popular, but I see a lot of these people joining and being able to get these complicated ideas explained very easily. And I think that's a great prospect for, again, this transnational, I've met people from, you know, all over and speaking to you and now it's like, I'm in South Africa, I'm from the US and, you know, you're in Spain and originally from former Yugoslavia. So it's, it's quite an incredible um, transnational connection. And I think that reflects the fact that you have workers slowly starting to understand that struggle just within their own individual country, isolated from the rest of the world is, is quite impossible. Um, and may in, in many cases not even be practical to do that. And I think it's it's interesting because that poses some some prospects for organization, whether it's just getting theoretical organization and people meeting to discuss and, and have that face-to-face -face connection, which is quite valuable, or if it's something that can lead to strong action and quite organized, who knows, because that's quite a long way off. But the hope is to potentially organize that and maybe to me, it's you sort of start by informing people when they're just coming to leftism. Because if you don't get them there, sometimes you don't get them after a little while, like they start upholding some imperialist uh, analysis. But if you get them there, then you can certainly create people who understand from the beginning that leftism without anti-imperialism is not, it's nothing, it's not meaningful. Right. Um... Uh, what we were talking actually uh, that reminded me uh, I had this uh, idea uh, most of the people think big when they start thinking movement but uh, if you think smaller for example uh, just to establish uh, regular communication between organizations just to share information oh, we did this we did that you know they did this they did you know, some other thing uh, and out of this communication you can always see uh, actually something can come up uh, and especially when it comes to uh, bigger uh, bigger events in the, in the world right so there's a war there's uh, there's a uh, country which is being under attack either uh, militarily or uh, sanctions or uh, um, coups or whatever uh, it's uh, out of this informational network uh, you can uh, coordinate for example protests okay so you know you can see that a number of uh, organizations are planning to protest against this particular uh, event so let's you know let's coordinate it Let, let's do it the same day all over the world uh, or different cities and so on so th this could have uh, a bit more impact and especially in terms of uh, awareness spreading information and and so on uh, but this is of course all on um, uh, when, when concerns solidarity with with someone else, uh, it's always. Uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, most of the organizations are actually looking to um, get solidarity for themselves. So there is also uh, this uh, a bit of disparity between one one offers and what uh, what what it takes, and it again it depends on the size of organization and so on. So it's uh, most definitely networking, uh, as you said, putting face to face, you know, talking to people um, uh, is in my, at this point, it, it's essential at least to, uh, to get things moving. And then out of that, uh, it's possible to build something, uh, something bigger. Unfortunately, uh, most of the, 
most of such events are organized in Western world, world sorry, uh, that requires visas and uh, financial means to, uh, to travel. So it, it's very hard. Uh, also, when it comes to uh, information, you can see that most of the, so I mean, there is no lack of channels. Uh, there are platforms, there are resources, there is information all over the place, but it's all information uh, in the Western world uh, for the Western world. Uh, there is very little, uh, there's practically uh, no uh, source of information from the third world, you know, what's happening somewhere, you know, who, who are the uh, people that wage struggle there, and what, what is their you know, analysis of the local uh, situation, what they think uh, others should do to contribute to their struggle and so on. In that sense, um, it's also uh, always interesting to look into uh, alternative sources of information like Telegram, for example. In Telegram, uh, you can find uh, well, whole post-Soviet space, uh, virtually uncensored and unrestricted. Uh, it's invaluable resource to get. So for example, when there were protests in Kazakhstan, when, uh, when there, were, there was a protest in Belarus and so on. Uh, so, uh, that's another point so when coming to information, sharing news, uh, actually to uh, connect with those other movements, but then there's a language barrier and there's, uh, there's always uh, a number of obstacles uh, with, uh, and you, you, you actually never know if, uh, if it's going to pay back. So, yeah. And and the thing that's interesting to me, we were chatting a bit before about about like I'm here in South Africa right now and experiencing a similar thing where there's about to be a commemoration ten years ago of workers, mine workers who were 34 were killed um, by a by local police. Of course, they were working for a multinational mining company. So you have no better example of imperialism. And of course, there's varying analysis from all over the political spectrum and. Even a lot of leftists who will say, you know, they, they don't incorporate imperialism into the analysis. They make it just a South African problem. But was, what was really interesting to me was in, in researching this more, you learn about like Chilean mine workers, for example, who after the fact, who are working for the same company, uh, working for the same mining company, mining copper in Chile, and release a letter of solidarity for workers in South Africa. So already having this global South solidarity across you know across the atlantic ocean and it's been it's been very uh, inspiring for me to encounter this and and see it uh first person have this this incredible solidarity where workers on the ground who don't have necessarily the tools of theoretical analysis are making the leap and saying that that situation over there is exactly what i experience here so I'm very optimistic about the prospects for this, this global solidarity to be possible. And, and something that I have to thank you for as well is to say, a lot of these texts are really difficult to find. Like, I don't think, as you were pointing out earlier uh, in the interview, you know, it's very difficult to go and find Unequal Exchange Revisited. I was just searching for it recently and found it again on your site or a lot of the text by Torco who, who has personal experience doing this. So I think that's that's the first step is actually putting the information out there because I know that you know your alternative is to read Jacobin or your alternative is to read the the typical leftist source that will tell you something about 
this that, that totally misleads you, or you can kind of dig a little bit deeper, which a lot of us uh, in the group were able to do and, and find this information and, and it totally changes your perspective. So to me, that's been very valuable and, and thank you so much for that. Actually, thank you. Uh, thank you a lot. Uh, the, my problem is that I usually don't have feedback and I appreciate feedback uh, a lot because, you know, so I'm kind of posting stuff that seems interesting to me, but it does not necessarily have to reflect what you know, other people you know, find interesting. So it's uh, definitely uh, valuable to see what people appreciate and in which direction to push developing. Because, so for example, uh, after this, um, uh, after this, yeah, after this talk, I will probably have a better idea what to do with sites, right, and how to orient it, and you know, what, what to do with it on the on the long run, uh, which was not very clear so far because okay yeah, i know that people read i, I can see statistics <laughs> but i cannot see what they think about what they, <laughs> what they read and uh, even more important um uh, how they use it how they use that information what is the analysis so uh, in fact i would like to use this <clears throat> opportunity to mention uh, i did create a community submission submissions uh, category which so whoever wants to post anything about uh, or send some article, I would be happy to read it, review it and possibly uh, publish it. Even though it might not completely reflect uh, the views of the, uh, of the rest of the uh, content, but uh, it's important to stimulate debate, discussion, uh, different views from this uh, particular third world perspective. And to, uh, especially if, uh, if there is any chance to share experiences, uh, learn from them, that's, uh, that's of course uh, fantastic. So uh, anyway, the, the inbox is always uh, open for uh, comments, suggestions, uh, whatever. So anyone is, uh, feel, uh, well, and, and of course, uh, we're looking for co collaboration. <laughs> yeah, and, and I hope to collaborate more in the future and uh, whether that's writing or doing future discussions because I think people have found the audio visual like also a great way to engage with it mm -hmm. so yeah I'm definitely hoping to have more collaboration but thank you so much for for doing this first one and getting a little bit of an overview of, of the project you're doing and I think it's incredible I've already told you that and I think a lot of other people find it very valuable to have these even if it's you know just having the domain to host the sources from from the past and also to have writing from that hasn't been written yet that can be posted there as well that's a an invaluable resource so i'm hoping there that this collaboration can kind of create the prospect for a more as you put it a more transnational uh, organization that can kind of come from it and, and have anti-imperialism at its core but i think yeah you've done a huge service of putting us further to that so yeah, I really appreciate it and, and thank you for the interview. And is there anything else you'd like to mention? Um, yeah. I'm looking forward for um, future collaboration and to push the uh, anti-pillist network forward in the form yeah. of real network. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Not as a absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much and, and take care. I'm gonna keep in touch by email. Excellent. Thank you very awesome. much for the interview. Thanks so much, bye. Cheers, bye-bye.